0: Welcome to the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we're starting a brand new series called Urban Legends. Have you ever heard a statement about God and then realized he never said that at all? In this series, we are looking at four of the most common urban legends about God and exposing them. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we hope you enjoy the message from our series, Urban Legends. If you're just joining us, you're just kind of checking us out, what's that church all about that meets in the school, uh, you're here at a great time because we are starting a four-part message series in here called Urban Legends, Urban Legends, and so what we're going to be doing in this series, is we're going to look at four uh, of the most common statements that we hear about God, but actually God never said these things and so in Proverbs chapter 14 it's going to be our theme verse and it says this it says there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death so there's going to be things that happen in life that that seem right like it seems right to me like the statements that we can hear about God and we can say okay that seems right that seems like something that maybe he said and but when we realize we don't know what God's word says, we can begin to follow something and let something lead our life that actually he never said, he never promised. And it can lead us maybe not to, to physical death, but it can lead us to death spiritually. And so we're going to be looking at some of the most commonly statements that we hear about God, but actually he never said that. For instance, next week, we're going to talk about the very common statement that maybe you've heard before that people will tell you and they'll say, hey, well, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've even said that before, but actually, God never said that. We're going to debunk that urban legend next week. Uh, The week after that, we're going to look at a very big culturally believed statement that that it doesn't matter what I do as long as I don't hurt anybody. God never said that one as well. And then there's another culturally believed statement that we're going to tackle next week, and that is, it doesn't matter what I believe, all roads lead to heaven God never said that either. So we're going to be looking at these things. Today I want to jump right in and talk about maybe one of the most commonly believed things about God. And, and the thing about this one is there's some truth to it. But as we begin to live our life this way, it can actually cause a lot of hurt in our life and can actually mischaracterization. I, I can't even say that word. We're going to have to edit the video on that one. But anyway, it can give God a mischaracterization. I think I said it right. Uh, about who he is and, and what he wants to do in our life. And it's the statement that above all else, God wants me happy. That God wants wants me happy that's what he wants above all else god just wants me happy and you may say well wait a second pastor like that sounds like something god would say like he doesn't god doesn't want me happy like are you serious right now like god doesn't want me happy like you're telling me that in church pastor i don't know if i'm happy with you right now like what are you serious like are, are you are, what's going on and and I, i'm going to unpack this for you today and and it was interesting a couple of Saturdays ago my my, my my wife and I decided we were gonna sleep in a little bit because it's Saturday, and even though we got kids, we're gonna sleep in just a little bit and let the kids do whatever. Come on, parents, where you at? Like Saturday sleeping—that's like the best. And so we were sleeping in a little bit, and. Finally decided, all right, it's time to get up. You know, I'm going to make breakfast. Saturdays are usually the day that I make breakfast for the family. So it's like pancakes, eggs, waffles, whatever you want. Like, boom, we're going crazy. Like, big breakfast, Dad. And, and so we, I, I, my kids are downstairs in our basement watching television. And I, I kind of yelled down to them, hey, kids, it's breakfast time. What do you want for breakfast? Here we go. Like, what do you want? And and, I said, and they yelled back at me. And they said, well, Dad, we're, we're just not hungry. We're not hungry this morning. I said, What do you mean you're not hungry? It's, it's Saturday, it's breakfast time with Dad. Like, come on, you don't want waffles, you don't want bacon and eggs. Like, what is the deal? And they said, We already ate, Dad. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, You get your butts up here right now. Like, like what did you already eat? And as they turn the corner to come up the stairs to, the, to where the kitchen is, my daughter is carrying the biggest bag of Cheetos that I have ever seen. Like, it's as big as her, I kid you not. And she, as she turns, she's got a handful of it. And she's stuffing her face, and she's, oh, you know, she's eating. She's got Cheeto dust all over her. Like, oh, we're not hungry, Dad. We're good. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you guys ate Cheetos for breakfast, like that's that was a good idea. And I said, well, you know, dad, my son's like, you know, he's like, we were hungry, we saw the Cheetos, we felt like thats would would be good, and so we just grabbed the Cheetos, Dad, we didn't know what else to do That's that's what we wanted, so we we ate it and I'm thinking, oh my oh my goodness, like that's what you need to eat on a Saturday morning breakfast Well, I'm making breakfast for mom and I, and I'm forget you guys, you can eat your Cheetos or whatever you want like I was like, oh my goodness, like you're eating Cheetos for breakfast like with parent fail of the year right now it's just it was just bad and And I was thinking about that though, it's like it's interesting because I think sometimes we can we can slip into a culture today that basically will say to you and to me that listen, you know, do whatever makes you feel happy. Do do whatever makes you feel happy. Like if you if you're feeling good about that, then then that's gotta be what's right. Like, like we, we it's so easy for us in our world today. To slip into a feeling-led based society, and even though that feelings are great, I'm not bashing feelings, but sometimes our feelings can lead us to a place that actually go contrary to what God's Word says and what is really actually good for us and healthy for us, and it can lead us down a pathway that we think, well, maybe if, if, if I just want feeling to feel good, if, if if God wants me happy, then whatever feels good, that's what I want, and so He must be behind it, and. And without us realizing it, we can fall into a trap, which I believe is what I call the theology of happiness. And if you're taking notes today, what the theology of happiness really is, is a couple quick things for you. Number one, it's kind of a progression. But number one, when you start to live the, the theology of happiness, we start to believe that whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever, whatever makes me happy must be right. And whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Like, whatever makes me happy, that's got to be right, because I feel happiness. I love happy feelings and, 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 and awesome tingles and rainbows and lollipops, and I love feeling happy. It's great, you know, but what happens is, is we get to the place, well, whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong, and... And I, when I grew up, I grew up in kind of the 80s and 90s. I was in 1996, the height of my adolescence. A, a singer songwriter wrote a song, Sheryl Crow If It Makes You Happy, It Can't Be That bad. Bad And, and our, my whole generation was like, yeah, that's right. If it, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. I'm not going to sing the next line of the song because some of you know it because you grew up in that time too. And if I, if I said that in church, it might make some other people unhappy. So I'm not going to say that today. But anyway, it, it, we can fall into the trap where we say, you know, hey, if it makes me happy, it's got to be right. God must be behind it. And if whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. But then number two, what can happen is we can fall into the trap trap where discomfort, delay, suffering, inconvenience, and obstacles can't be God's will then. In other words, if something happens to me that I don't like, if I gotta wait for something, if I prayed for something and God doesn't answer my prayer right away, or if I gotta walk through a, an obstacle in my life that actually God's gonna use to grow me in, if I if I up against something that I don't like, don't want to go through, then that can't be God. That's gotta be the devil. Like that. That's just the devil. Like like you know like that growth track pastor wants That's probably the devil. Like that's not like God. You know because I gotta I gotta go and take this class. Like, come on, like sometimes we can look at life this way where anything that's hard, anything that's difficult, anything that is an inconvenience to us, can't be from God because it's not making me happy. And so that, that can't be God. And then what happens is we fall into number three, which is without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. Meaning I live my life totally for me. I live my life only to do what's comfortable for me. Money is my security. The more toys I can buy and accumulate gives me fulfillment that I'm searching for. And so above all else, God, he wants me happy. And so I'm only going to do things that make me happy. And if it doesn't make me happy, if it's kind of an inconvenience, I'm not going to live that way. What happens is is when we start to live that way, we start to come into a, a belief. And maybe we would never say it. But we're kind of living this out where we believe, without saying it, that God doesn't exist you know, for any other purpose but to serve me. That, that, that God exists to serve me, but the reality is God does not exist to serve you and me. God, God, we exist actually to serve Him. There's a there's a there's a contrary. There's difference. But we can fall into the trap all the time. And so what happens is when we believe that above all else, God just wants me to be happy. What we can essentially do is we can reduce God down to what I call a a cosmic Coke machine, a pop machine. And what I mean by that is like like if you ever go to a pop machine and you know, it's like asking you for a dollar fifty, and you're like, okay, boom, I put a dollar fifty in the machine, I hit the button for a Coke or Sprite or whatever your f- flavor is, whatever, and then it should give me what I'm asking it to. That's I've done what the pop machine is demanding. I've, I've given it my money. I've hit the button. Therefore, I should have a Coke in my hand now. And like I said, without even saying it, without even realizing it, we can put that kind of expectation on God. Where you say, God, I've done everything you want me to do. I've read the Bible. I've tried this whole God thing. I've gone to church. And now I want you to do something for me. And if it doesn't happen the way that we want it to, we can say, wait a second. Well, it leads us to a conclusion that maybe God is failing me. And that's why a lot of people struggle with with church today because the foundation of their, their understanding of God is that actually God is here to make me happy. And if I do everything that God wants me to do, if I play the game, if I even go to a small group and I serve at church and then I ask God to do something and he doesn't do it the way that I want him to do it, then God has failed me. There's something wrong. And that's why a lot of people walk away from the church because they believe in an in a, in a understanding of God that he's here just to make us happy. I've heard it and time and time again where people will say, I, I did the church thing. I tried this whole church thing out. I went to church for three weeks straight and, and my marriage still is falling apart. Uh, I, you'd be surprised at things the pastor hears. I'm just saying. But it's like all of a sudden we get to this understanding where we think God is here to serve us, so I pray. I do all these good things. I read the Bible. I go to church. I help little old ladies cross the street. I do more good things than I do bad things, and therefore God should give me what I'm demanding because He's a cosmic pop machine in the sky. And the, the challenge is, what happens, like I said, is is whenever you wake up unhappy, then one day, maybe things didn't turn out the way that you wanted. Maybe there's an obstacle that you're facing. We can come to the wrong conclusion that God is failing us. God. Failed us in this instance. God failed us in this moment, and, and, and I believe that is why so many people walk away from the local church. Now I don't believe that God is opposed to happiness. This isn't an anti-happiness message today. I believe that God delights when you experience happiness. I believe it all in my heart. A couple last year, I coached my son's third and fourth grade basketball team, and, and it was so great because my son he wanted to score a basket so bad. Like he's like, Dad, I want to want to score. Can you run a play just for me? You know, like Dad. I just, I gotta get, I got I got score, and, and like, so he's so excited to score, and in our second game of the season. He got a rebound, you know, and, and he got it and he put it right back up and it went in the basket. And like the look on his face was awesome. Like he was just so excited. He went down the court, hand up, you know, like come on, like he's like pumped. He just scored. Like he was so happy. And as a dad, I'm so happy that he's happy. I'm so happy that he accomplished a goal that he had for his life. You know, he just wanted to score a basket. When you're that, when you're like nine years old, the goals are different. You know, like one basket is all I want. You know, like it was so great to see him accomplish that and as a dad I delighted in that I was so excited to see him accomplish this but after the game we, we won the game and after the game you kind of line up in a row and and, and you kind of shake the other per, the other team's hand you high- five them you know good game good you know good game and I heard my son, uh, say, you know, as we're high-fiving the other team, uh, nice try, nice try, you, we destroyed you, you know, good luck, you know, like, like, he was, like, so, like, like confident because they just won, he scored a basket, and right at that moment, like, I wasn't as concerned about his happiness as I was about his character. I wasn't as concerned about his happiness, I was really concerned about his heart. And so I said, come here, son, we got to talk. <laughs> Let, you, let's, let's go on the other sideline. Let's have a little conversation. Because in that moment, like, oh, yeah, I delight in the fact that he scored. I delight in the fact that he accomplished something. I, I delight in the fact that he did something great. But my highest priority was the condition of my son's heart in that moment. See, I believe with all my heart that God is a good, good Father. He loves every single one of us. He loves us unconditionally. He he, he wants to bless us. He wants to you know do us to experience His goodness. I believe that God is is so so good. Um, but I believe that His ultimate calling for you and for me is not that we just experience happiness and achieve happiness. But I believe that His ultimate purpose for you and for me today is that, that, that we would that He would know the condition of our heart, that the condition of our heart would take precedent over our happiness, our pursuit of happiness, and all these things, like what we're doing, and the attitude of our heart is what really matters, and so today, I'm going to argue a few things, and talk to you about, you know, that there's some moments in life that I would say that God is not as concerned about our happiness, Like, like that he's not as concerned, it's not his highest Priority for you and for me. So if you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to jot a few of these things down because I believe that God delights in your happiness. I believe he loves it when you get the the, the upgrade at work, the raise at work. I believe he loves it when you get the dream house that you're always thinking about, like wanting, like when you score some baskets in your own life. I think God delights in that. But I don't believe it's his highest priority for you and for me. And so what are some moments that I think that he's not as concerned about our happiness? Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. And that is when it, when it causes you and us to do something wrong or unwise. I don't think God is concerned about our happiness when it causes us to do something wrong or, or unwise. I remember back in, in 2004, my buddy and I were, were out in Minnesota for a friend's wedding and we were driving around, we had some time to kill before the wedding, and so we were driving around the back roads of some little town in Minnesota. We were driving around in his 2004 Pontiac Aztec. Come on, somebody. Like like, like the same car as Walter White drived in Breaking Bad. Like we were Breaking Bad before any Breaking Bad ever happened. We were, we were awesome. Like we were driving around. We were the coolest. You know, we were, we were so far in the back roads of Minnesota. We didn't even know where we were. And I remember we, we came up into this railroad crossing. And it was un- like a railroad crossing I had ever seen before. It was very interesting because it looked like a huge ramp, okay? Like it was like this huge ramp, then the railroad, and then another huge ramp going down. And so my buddy and I looked at each other and we said, Oh, we're jumping that. You're like, Yeah, like we're, we're jumping that. And so my buddy puts his 2004 Pontiac Aztec in reverse. He goes back a bunch of ways, hits it in drive, and says, here we go. And he floored it. We're in a dirt road, back roads. Nobody knows where we are. All of a sudden, we are just flooring it as fast as we can. And we hit this jump, this ramp. And I kid you not. All four tires were off the ground. Like, we took a 2004 Pontiac Aztec, did some Dukes of Hazard jumps with it. It was crazy. We were Nitro Circus before Nitro Circus ever came out. I mean, it was crazy. And we're, out, we're in the air just, like, flying. And it was, like, slow motion for my friend and I. We were, like, oh, my God. We're looking at each other. We're laughing. We're, like, this is great. This is hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Like, we were having the time of our life until we landed like we we hit the ground so Hard. We had our seatbelts on, but both of us were catapulted to the ceiling of the car. Like, I almost got knocked out. I hit the ceiling so hard. Like, I literally saw stars. Like, it was like Bugs Bunny or whoever back in the day seeing stars and Tweety Birds. Like, that was me. Like, I was like, oh my goodness. My friend, he was like almost unconscious. He's trying to gain control of the vehicle. We're going back and forth, you know, swerving on this dirt road. We almost tipped the car in a ditch. Eventually, you know, we come to to arrest, a vehicle arrest, we're like sitting there, we're like, we look at each other, and we're like, that was so stupid, like, what were we thinking, that was so dumb, like, we're 24, we're not 18, 16, we should be more adults than this, like, oh my goodness, what are we thinking, the best part was, is that my buddy's uh, Pontiac Aztec was a lease, and so I think, think that the leasing company had some questions for him with the suspension when he turned it in, because we... It just wasn't the same car it was when he first got it off the factory line. But it's interesting because here's the thing I think a lot of us can do in life, and a lot of people do, is that we we, we look to things that make us happy. We look to the enjoyment of that moment. We say, wow, this is going to be great. This is fun. This is so amazing. And it can cause us to do something unwise. It can cause us to do something wrong. It can cause us to do something sinful. And in the moment, it's like, oh, this is great. This is the best thing ever. But we're not realizing that on the other side of this whole choice that we're making uh, could lead to something very, very, very wrong. Really something that really hurt ourselves. Like the Bible says, there's a way that seems right to a person. There's a way. Yeah, it seems right. Seems like it's a good way. Seems like we should jump the Pontiac Aztec right now. But in the end it can lead to, it almost led to our death seriously. But for a lot of us we don't realize that the choices we make can lead to our spiritual death as well. Because we think, you know, hey, you know, it's not a big deal. They don't realize that on the other side of the decision that we're making is danger. I love what 1 Peter chapter 1 he says this. It says, "Listen, but just as he who called you is holy, So be holy in all that you do. God delights, I believe, in our happiness. I believe he delights in it. But his highest priority is not for our happiness, for us to experience happiness. I believe it's for us to experience his holiness. So here's the deal. Above all else, I think God wants us to experience some great things in life, some great moments in life. But what happens is when we start to make some choices that or maybe wrong, unwise, or sinful, what happens a lot of times in life is people will begin to justify the choice for the sake of happiness. We'll justify it. We'll say, you know what? I know this is wrong. I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't make that decision right now. But I just feel I, feel, I feel, I need happiness. I need to make this choice because this is going to make me happy. And this is what I need right now in my life. And I want it so bad. And so we'll do something. We'll justify our behaviors just to get a moment of happiness. I talk to people a lot of times when they're struggling in their marriages. And, and I say, why do you want to separate? Like, you know, like, why, why is that? And. And they'll say, "Well, we just don't make each other happy anymore. We're not happy in our marriage. We're not happy." And I, I'm never a pastor that ever is going to guilt anybody. I never throw shame at people. Like I, I want to encourage you. I want to be life-giving to you. I want to build you up and encourage you. But I always say, I say, listen. You know, I remember when you know, if I was especially if I was at their wedding, I was like, you know, you stood before me or you stood before a pastor or whoever, and you." You made a covenant with the Lord, and, and, and I know that you're unhappy right now, but in that covenant, you said for better or for worse, and I know that you're in some worse right now, but if you seek God and you, you get some counseling and you seek God and you begin to surround yourself with more people and you seek God, listen, he can turn those, those worse days into some better days if you keep going after him. Like, like I believe that with all of my heart, but we can justify because I just I'm not happy. I can justify decisions for the sake of happiness, and we can do this all the time in so many different areas of life where we say, you know what, I'm just just not happy, and so I want to change, and I'm going to justify my decision for the sake of happiness. The Bible talks about these two brothers uh, in the Old Testament, who had a little bit of sibling rivalry. They had a little bit, bit of sibling rivalry. From the moment they were born, the Bible says that they, were, they had sibling rivalry. And these two brothers by the name of Jacob and Esau. And it's so interesting, their story. And in Genesis chapter 25, it says this, that, that, that once when Jacob was cooking some stew, uh, Esau, his older brother, came from the open country famished. He was He was hungry. And, and he said to his, his brother, his younger brother, Jacob, quick, you know, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Like, he's like, I'm so dramatic right now. I just want some food. I'm so hungry. You know, like he comes home from working and he's like, I'm going to die. And some of you wives in this place know what uh, Jacob and Esau were going through in that moment because you've experienced your husband coming home and saying, what's for dinner? I'm so hungry. And in this moment, uh, Jacob replies, okay, first, uh, I'll give you something. ...to eat, but I want you to sell me your birthright. In those days, the older... Brother always received what they called the birthright, which was a double portion of the inheritance. It was a, a blessing at the same time. And, and, and because of the older brother had a responsibility to take care of the family if, the, if anything happened to the dad. And so the brother had more responsibility, had more financial gain. He had more stuff. And Jacob, the younger brother, always wanted it from his older brother. And so he looks at this opportunity and he says, all right, I'll give you something to eat. But first, sell me your birthright. And I love it. Jacob, you know, or he says this, or Esau says, look, I'm about to die. Look at, dude, stop being so dramatic. It's like, come on, Esau. He goes, what good is the birthright to me? And in this moment, he sells his birthright. He sells this to his younger brother, Jacob, for a bowl of stew. Just because he thought, I need something to eat, I'm so hungry, this is going to make me happy, this is going to fulfill me, this is going to satisfy me. And he does something, and in that moment, it costed him more than he ever could imagine in that moment. The Bible talks about later that God actually begins to bless Jacob. And Jacob begins to do so many great things. And, and actually, Jacob, his, it's his line. It's his genealogy that Jesus eventually comes from. And whenever you read the Bible, you always hear, you know, people say, well, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is actually, if you look at this in the Bible, his name is mentioned more times than any other character in the entire Bible. The name Jacob is there more than anybody else's name, and it's not Esau. It's not Esau. Esau, I believe, he traded the ultimate for the immediate. He traded, you know, for just, I, I, want the, I want just this immediate gratification. I want this immediate happiness. And I don't care what it costs me, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna trade it for that. What's interesting is, it's funny, like when I go to the nursery in our church or wherever, I don't see a lot of little Esau's running around anymore. Like, like that name has kind of died out, but, I, but I, I've met a few Jacobs, you know, and it's like, like he had no idea that what he the happiness and fulfillment, what he thought he wanted was going to cost him so so much. I believe that with all my heart that that god doesn 't want us to pursue happiness, he wants us to pursue something different. He wants us to pursue Him in the middle of all those things. And when we get to a place where we're pursuing happiness above all else, it causes us to do something unwise. It causes us to do something wrong. It causes us to do something sinful. But we justify it because I just want to be happy. But when we make decisions like that, it costs us more than we could ever want to truly pay. Number two, if you're taking notes, I believe, when does God not really concerned that much about our happiness. Number two, when, when it's only based on the things of this world, when it's only based on the things of this world, First John says this, He goes, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I think our world tries to teach us this, and that is that that better possessions Plus peaceful circumstances, plus thrilling experience, plus the right relationships, plus the perfect appearance equals happiness. That if you can have those things the world wants to to throw at you, if you can go after these things and if if this is what you have in life, then you'll experience happiness. So if you live that Instagram life where everything looks perfect and and you go on the perfect vacations and you hang out with the 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 right people and the greatest people, then you're going to have happiness. That's what you're going to experience. But the problem is all of that stuff doesn't fulfill. I always tell people all the time, I don't believe that God minds us having things. Uh, he just doesn't want those things to have us. Like, 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 God doesn't mind that you have places to go and up north and boats and great house and cars and stuff that you can provide for your family. I don't think that God is upset at that stuff at all. Some people say that and preach that. I don't believe that. I believe that God doesn't mind you having stuff, He just doesn't want your stuff to have you. And when you come to a place in your life, you say, everything I have is God's. Everything I have is God's. And it's a different mindset that that he wants, I believe, his people to have. But but he says, listen, he goes, listen, uh, I think all that stuff that the world tries to get us to buy into, it's just an imitation of true fulfillment. It promises fulfillment, but it never gives you. It never delivers on what it promises. Back in 1997, uh, my, my high school, we, my junior year, we went on a trip to Washington, D.C., like a lot of high school classes do. and So we got on a bus and drove out to D.C. to see the, the, the nation's capital. And it was great because when we got there, my, my friends and I, we didn't really know what to expect when we got there. And so when we were looking at the different monuments, we, we were encountering a lot of people on the streets that were selling knockoff merchandise. And um, I didn't know if this was wrong or illegal or whatever. I was just like, man, look at all the stuff these guys got. This is great. And so like they're literally opening their coat. You want to buy a watch? I mean, it was like that kind of thing. And so I'm like, yeah, I want to buy a watch. And, and back in 1997, like well, the the Oakley sunglasses were really cool, and I know some of y'all are still rocking them. And be you, it's okay, just keep rocking them. It's all right. But back then, I really wanted a pair of these Oakley sunglasses. And so uh, this guy was selling, you know, these knockoff Oakley sunglasses. And I'm like, dude, how much are they? You know, he's like, ten bucks. And I'm like, ten dollars? I could never afford these things. Are you serious, man? Give me a pair right now. And I bought a pair, you know, and I put them on. I thought I was the coolest kid in the class, you know. I love my, my new sunglasses, and it was so interesting because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, the, the, the middle and the part of the brim of the glass, the word Oakley, is I started to rub off, like within an hour after I bought them, and then like two hours in, like the lens fell out, and I'm like, man, this is just an imitation, this isn't, this isn't it, like and they were worthless after a little bit, and what happens is I believe with all my heart is that the world promises you and me an imitation of true fulfillment. Man, if you get all, all these things, if you get all these toys, you get all this stuff, have the right relationships, man, you're going to have fulfillment. And then when you have it, you realize I'm not fulfilled. Because I believe with all my heart it's only in Christ that you can truly find the fulfillment that you so desperately need. See, I don't pursue God for happiness. I pursue him for who he is. See, God is the end goal. We don't pursue him for what he can give to us. I pursue him just because of who he is. He is God. His presence is enough. Who who he is is enough. And I believe with all my heart that God wants you to experience something more than happiness. I believe that above all uh, else... God wants you, does he delight in your happiness? Sure. I believe that like a good father loves to see you score baskets in life. But I believe that God wants you to experience something better than happiness. I believe that God wants you to experience the true blessing of God. I believe that God wants you to be blessed, not happy. He wants you to be blessed. See, I believe on my heart that God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. He loves you. He wants to bless you with his goodness. He wants to bless you with his grace. He wants to bless you with his mercy. He wants you to look at your life and say, you know what? Things may not be perfect, but I'm blessed. I, I can't believe how blessed I am. Look how good God is. And, and, and I think that our definition of blessing and in, in God's definition is, is a lot different. In the original language, in the Greek, it actually, the word blessing actually is translated, and it literally means supremely blessed, or it literally means more than happy. I love that. That God wants you to be more than happy. He wants you to be more than happy. Now, when I say God wants you to be blessed, it doesn't mean that you're never going to walk through a hard season of life. It doesn't mean that maybe things may not go your way. It doesn't mean that you may not lose somebody close to you. It doesn't mean that you may be out of work for a season. It doesn't mean that you may not get into the dream college that you want to. Like when I say that God wants you blessed, it doesn't mean that everything is going to line up perfectly with your dreams and your decisions. But what it does mean is that through any storm of life that you may walk through, that you're not going to walk through it alone, but you're going to be walking through it with the King of kings and Lord of lords, that he wants to bless you. He wants to give you peace In the middle of every situation, he wants to give you encouragement. When you're weak, he wants to make you strong. God wants to do a work inside of you that you could never accomplish on your own. He wants to do a work inside of you that the world could never give you. He wants you to experience the blessings of God. He wants you to be blessed far more than happiness. I love it because in Psalms 37, it says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord... And he will give you the desires of your heart. You may read that and you say, well, see, Pastor, God wants me to happy. It says it right there. He wants me, if I delight myself in the Lord, I'm delighting in the Lord. And, and uh, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. See, God wants me happy. But the, the thing about this verse that we miss sometimes is that word delight in the, the original language, the Hebrew language that the Old Testament was written in, the word delight actually has a little, an interesting meaning. It actually means to be soft or pliable. So think about this. So he's saying, listen, don't seek happiness, seek me. And as you're going after him, you're seeking him, He says, I want you to be soft and I want you to be pliable, meaning let me begin to shape you. Let me begin to mold you. Like, come after me. Like, seek after his ways. And and even if you don't understand some things that are in the Bible, maybe you don't even agree with them yet. He goes, it doesn't matter. Continue to apply them to your life. And and let me shape you and mold you. And and as you begin to seek God and pursue him with every ounce of your being, all of a sudden you're soft, you're pliable in the hands of a mighty God. And all of a sudden you realize that things that you were concerned about, the things that you were worried about, the things that had your thought process and you were focused on, all of a sudden you say one day, I'm not as concerned about those things anymore. Like, I used to be so concerned about what other people thought of me, but now I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I think about, I care about what God thinks of me. Like, I used to be, you can say this, all. I used to be so concerned about what job I had or what status I had at work or what my pay structure was. I used to be so concerned about some things, but as I've been seeking God and as I've been going after Him, I've been soft, I've been pliable in His hands, and then all of the things I've been concerned about... My desires actually have faded away, and I got new desires. I got desires that I never had before, but because God is doing a work inside of me, man, my desires are different. They're actually his desires. They're God's desires, and then all of a sudden, I live in my life differently. Like, I can't tell you how many people I meet from high school, and they say, Jason, you're a pastor now? I'm like, yeah, and they're like, there must be a God. (laughs) Because I knew you in high school, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely, because he transformed me from the inside out. I'm different now. I'm not the same guy I used to be. And it's all of a sudden you you realize that my desires are different. My thought process is different. Things I want are different. And it says that's when when you're soft and you're pliable in the hands of a mighty God. He will give you the desires of your heart because your desires then line up with his desires. You're not trying to live life on your own, trying to accomplish things on your own, build your own kingdom of success. But God says, no, 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 no. When When you're soft and you're pliable, you delight yourself in the Lord. He goes, your desires are gonna change and I'm gonna give you the desires of your heart because they're gonna line up with the things and the plans and the purposes that I have for you. I believe that's what God wants us to experience. I believe with all my heart, does God want you happy? Sure. Sure, absolutely, but his highest priority is that you would go after him and seek him with everything and allow him to do a work inside of you that one day you could stand up anywhere and say, I used to be that way. I used to be blind, but now I see. I used to be concerned with those things, but now God has got me on a different pathway. I'm on a different journey, and my best days are ahead because the best is yet to come. Let's stand up today as we close this message.